listening to the Braveheart Podcast. Today's podcast is a portion of a class Peter is teaching at Christ for the Nations Institute. He is teaching through his book, Back to the Gospel, which focuses on Jesus, the why behind our salvation, and the joy of the new covenant. Listen to this. He says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin. That, that means that you were in bondage to sin. You couldn't do what you wanted to do. You had no freedom. It is worthwhile remembering that fact that you, you may be in the body of Christ today, but there was a time in your life you were a slave to sin. And it should produce gratitude and thankfulness in your heart. And he says, I thank God that you who were once that way, you've become obedient from where? You've been obedient from what? The heart. The heart. So now you're obeying from your heart. You're obeying God from your heart. How many of you would like to obey God from your heart? It's this teaching, this revelation of the cross and of grace allows you to obey God from your heart. And he says, you've become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. What was Paul teaching? He's like, I committed you to this teaching. Why? So you could be obedient from the heart. And he says, and having been set free from sin... It was, it was an assumption. It was a concluded fact that you have been liberated from the grip and from the bondage of sin. Do you see that in your, in your Bible? This is not Peter's, Peter's teaching. Peter's not saying this. This is the Bible. This is your word. This is God speaking to you, and he's giving us a glimpse into the body of Christ of old, and he's saying these people have been set free from sin, and because of that, they have become slaves of righteousness, to use a human term, meaning now they are, they are in bondage to do right. Have you ever thought about that, that you are, and he's using, he says here, I'm using a human term because your, your natural limitations, you, you've gotten so dull in your hearing that I have, to, I have to help you understand slavery. And he's using a slavery term. So I could tell you this morning, you have become a slave of righteousness. What does that mean? There's no other option but righteousness. You wake up and you're like, oh, I want to sin. And you're like, boom, I can't. I'm slave to righteousness. Have you all ever felt that before? I'll tell you, I have. I, I remember a time in my life where um, I was in this I was in this argument and, and I was uh, I won't get into the details but I was very uh, my my flesh was rising up and I wanted to be angry I wanted to be bitter and this this person had wronged me and I felt bound by my righteousness and I was frustrated I went into my I remember praying this I'm like I'm so mad I'm a Christian today I said that. I'm so mad. I felt bound in my righteousness because I couldn't act out in my flesh. God wouldn't let me. My conscience wouldn't let me. I'm like, it's just not fitting for me to say or do these things. And my flesh was freaking out. Why? Because there was a righteousness inside of me that for years I have identified and considered myself dead to sin. So that when sin wanted to manifest, I was like, I can't. I've spent too long in the Word, meditating, considering myself dead. This sin feels like a foreign behavior to me now. It no longer feels natural. I, if I stumble, I'm being, I'm being as honest as I can be. If I stumble in sin this, these days, I, I, am, I am legitimately, I'm shocked. And I'm like, where did that come from? Like, and, I, and I check and I feel the Spirit. I'm like, whoa. And now it's so nuanced. Now the, the sin that he's rooting out of me now has to do with like, like with my tongue, with different things that I'm like, ooh, what I laugh at. Oh, come on. It's not, it's, it's not, uh, 
It's not a law thing. Like what he's dealing with me now is not what he was dealing with me 10 years ago. Like it was oh, 10 years ago, he was dealing with me with, with stuff I was doing, overt, like obvious sin. Now it's, it's, it's just everything that doesn't line up with the character and attitude of Christ. Everything, every thought, every... Now thoughts that are not, that are not Jesus' thoughts begin, they feel alien. They're, it's like he's helping me identify over the years as I have done this, I'm telling you, my sinful habits and thoughts and behaviors have literally melted off of my life through this process so I'm not standing here and it's worth I'm not bragging I'm not boasting if I boast I boast in the cross I really do I'm not I'm not some special guy it it literally like a little child you read this and you're like wow okay I consider myself you you, some of you like where did you get this I got it from my Bible people have asked me that where did you get this teaching I I got it from my Bible. Isn't that amazing? I read my Bible, and he said, consider myself dead to sin. You know what I did? I did. I go, oh, wow. The one who's died has been set free from sin. You're giving me permission to be set free from sin. And I would actually do my Bible. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, the word of God is not to be prayed about. It's to be received and obeyed. Come on, in, in, in Bible college, that's maybe one of the most important things you can hear. The Word of God, yes, you can pray the Word of God. It's awesome to pray the Word of God. I'm not discounting that. But if, if you're only praying about and considering, like, what does it then look like as you consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God? What does it look like to take a step of faith and actually walk out on that? <clears throat> Where are we at? Romans 6.22. But now that you have been set free from sin, how many times does he have to say it in one chapter? Now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. Again, using a human term. He says, the fruit you get. Wow, interesting that he said fruit. Come on now. You all want to get get sanctified. You all want to have Christian fruit in your life. It comes through having been set free from sin and belonging to God as a slave. Or being so bound to God in your nature that you... You get fruit. What's the fruit you get of that? Sanctification and its end, eternal life. Sanctification is a fruit of being dead to sin and belonging to God. Somebody say amen. You should be getting so free and delivered in your head. Wow, if I die here and I belong to God over here, if I die here and I belong to God in grace, what's the fruit? Sanctification in the end is eternal life. So... That was in the column of the death verses. Remember what I said? There's two, there's two ingredients to living free from sin. One is the death. So there's a lot of people who you may get this, but it's twofold. There's two sides to the same coin. The other side, this death, this is a spiritual death. So I put up here this title over this, as I know some of you can't see it, is walking by the Spirit. This is how you walk by the Spirit. You may not know, and maybe no one's ever taught you, how do I walk by the Spirit? This is how you walk by the Spirit. Considering yourself dead to sin based on the death, burial, and resurrection is walking by the Spirit. Are you with me? So, we, we, but we said the Old Covenant was two shifts, from sinful to righteous, but also from law to grace. So now we've got to look at this. 1 Corinthians 15, 56, and 57. So now we're going to establish the difference between law and grace, okay? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56 and 57. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Yes, sir. But thanks be to God, 
who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! What is the strength of sin? I said, what is the strength of sin? Why does sin have strength? It's the same answer. I'm just, I'm etching it in your heart. Why does sin have power? Why does it have strength? The only reason sin has power. If you've, if you've died with Christ and you're no longer a sinner. So now we're talking about believers. The world has to go through this death process to be free from sin. The world, the, the, the 1 Timothy 1.9, add that to the list. Who, who's going to get that? We also know that that law is made not for the righteous. Stop. Woo! The law is not for the righteous. Oh, man. The law, but keep reading. But for the lawbreakers and the rebels, the ungodly and the sinful, the unholy and ir- irreligious, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers. Okay. So, he's saying the law is over here before the cross. It's for those whose hearts are still wicked and they, they may not know, they don't know, they don't know that what they're doing is wrong. And so all of a sudden, the, the beautiful spiritual law of God, which says, hey, you shouldn't do those things. It now pricks their conscience and they said, I need a, I need, I need a solution. What's the solution? It's the cross. Because you can't, there's no amount of the law that you can do to get right with God. So the only way you go, the law leads you right to the cross and to the grave, right? But the law is not laid down for the righteous. And so the power of sin is in the law. So here's what, here's the, here's the issue I have sometimes within the body of Christ and, and, and what we've done is, you may now get this revelation that, okay, well, actually, we've done two things. We've not given ourselves permission to be completely free from sin in our identity. And simultaneously, we've put demands upon them to walk righteously, right? And every demand you place, a spiritual demand, actually empowers sin. Here's how you define a demand, because I want to I make it very distinct and clear. A demand... Or, or, yeah, a demand or the law is defined. I define it like this. Spiritually, we know in Romans 7, he's talking about the Ten Commandments and the, and the other laws that were associated with the Old Covenant, right? But now in the New Covenant, Christians have grown up and we know as Gentiles, I don't think there's anyone that's Jewish in this room. If you are, forgive me. You can wave at me. No, you know. Okay. So listen, as Gentiles, we were not meant, we didn't have the law. We have no concept of Jewish law. We have no concept of all the things that they did, right? But when I say law, you know what I'm talking about. Why? Because, because we've grown up in church where people have placed a list of demands to be right before God. Right? That has become our version of a Gentile law. It's how we've, it's how we've achieved our righteousness before God. And every church is different. That's why the Gentile law is so gnarly and weird, because every denomination and church is different with that law. So the law, here's how you know it's the law. If you break it, there is a relational consequence. God will distance himself from you. He will, he will pull away from you. That's, the, that's how you know you're living under the law. If you break the law, if there's a demand, there's a relational or, or spiritual consequence that... that no, relational consequence. There's a relational consequence with God. That's how you know you're living under the law. That's how you know you're treating people according to the law. 
is if they sin against you, you punish them <laughs> relationally. That's how you know you're living according to others with the law. If they reject you, you get your feelings hurt and you pull back and you no longer, you give yourself permission to stop loving them. So listen, we talked about this the other day. In the New Covenant, the Bible, the New Testament, Paul gives us a lot of of commands, of exhortations. Do this, don't do this. And what we talked about was he's... He's already established the newness of our identity in the new covenant. So when he releases a command, hey, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, that's not a command to get right with God. It's actually empowering. He's helping you understand what your new nature's like. He's helping the, the commands he gives actually appeal to your new nature. Are you with me? So everything that you, that you read about, if you, uh, and you can test this out. I would like you to all test this out. This is your homework. I want you to come Tuesday. I want you to go find any command in the new covenant. Any command. Put away uh, foolish talk from your mouth. Uh, Whatever it is. Don't get drunk on wine. Go, Go find any new covenant thing that he exhorts the church. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to your father. And I want you to check within your heart. Take that command and bring it into your heart and go, do I have a desire to do this? And there may be some emotions around that, and you're okay to to put those emotions around that. But I want you to let the word, find any command, find the, the, the most ridiculous, hard command. And go sit with God and go, is, do I desire to do this thing that this new covenant's asking me to do? Is there, is there any part of you that desires to do it? In the new covenant, the Holy Spirit within us will testify about those commands, a inward desire to obey those things from our heart. So now we no longer think that we're doing those to be right with God. We actually do those because we love God. How do we know we're living under the law? We're living under the law when we think we're being justified, where we are relying upon doing those things to have peace with God. That is the difference. You have to distinguish this. If you are relying upon doing a list of things to get right with God and to have peace with God, you have now stepped out of the realm of grace and into the realm of the law, and you have empowered sin in your life. Romans six fourteen. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Okay, so not only does he establish our death, but he establishes the the transfer from law to grace. Sin will have no dominion, no authority, no power over your life. Why? We're We're no longer under the law. We're under grace. Do you guys see it? Let's keep reading. Romans 7, verse 1. The law, listen to this. He says, I'm speaking to those of you who know the law. The law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. So the natural person was like, well, then I want to die to that. How do we die to that? We just established that here. So now you see this marriage and intersection between the death that we had with Christ. Because what was the law demanding upon? Was it demanding upon our spirit or upon our flesh? What's the realm of the law? The, The law worries about what you do, which is your flesh. So the law actually can't touch your spiritual condition before God. It's placed upon what you do. Do this and don't do this. Are you with me? And so it can only touch what you do. So if I die, 
If my flesh dies with Christ and I'm a new creature and now I live and walk by the Spirit, the law, here's the, here's the analogy, the law is looking, where, where did He go? I can't, the law can't find you anymore because you're in the Spirit. He's looking like, where did He go? And He's looking at your grave, He's looking at the cross, and He's trying to place a demand upon you, but He can't find you. Where did you go? I can't, and now all of a sudden he's like a panicked husband and he can't find his wife. Why? Because he was, she was nailed and she died through the body of Christ. She died to the law, Romans 7. <laughs> through the body, she died to the law so that she can belong to another in the Spirit. So we belong and walk by the Spirit. If you walk by the flesh in the new covenant, you, you then now are putting yourself back under the law when you walk by the flesh. Maybe that's another way of, of saying it. When you choose to relate to God based on what you do, and, and your peace comes with God based on how well you're doing, or, or, or now you lost peace with God because you're not doing good, now you know you're walking by the flesh, and you're outside of the realm of, of covenant. Or you're not outside of it, but you're just, you're walking contrary to your new covenant. Are you with me? Does that make sense? He walked out every step of the law. And, and when people say Jesus could have died at any, you know, Jesus can come back anytime he wants. That's true. But, but Jesus was on a schedule. He was on a schedule. Everything he walked out, his, his life fulfilled Passover. Everything he said and did was, was in time. He couldn't have died. He died on Passover to fulfill Passover. So he was very much, when he returns, he will return, I believe, the Feast of, of Tabernacles in September, which is the last feast yet to be fulfilled by the Messiah. It's the only unfulfilled feast. Every other feast, Pentecost, was fulfilled at Pentecost by the Messiah. Yes, Romans 7, I believe, is the conflict of a new creature Christian under the law. Right? Because he says, if I do what I don't want to do, I agree with the law that it's good. What do you mean? He's saying my new righteous self is actually in agreement with the law. My, my heart's in line with the commands of God. But sometimes if I'm in my flesh, the sin in my members, he's, he's articulating the conflict. When you preach this, it produces conflict in your flesh. Because your flesh actually still has been trained from the fall of man to do wrong things. And so people say, well, how come I still have a desire for sin? Because you've been trained since you were little to have carnal desires by the fall of man. So I'm not saying all of a sudden, magically, you no longer have a desire for sin. You no longer, you're, there still may be sin dwelling in your members. You may feel a, a temptation or a tug or a pull. But with this, you're able to put to death Therefore, what is earthly in you, Colossians 3. Whereas before, we couldn't put it to death because we didn't have power. But in the realm of grace and considering yourself dead to sin, you can actually put to death what is earthly in you. Does that make sense, Stephen? Is that what you were asking? Okay, awesome. I want to just finish this real quick. we got to go. Um, Romans 7, 8. Apart from the law, sin lies dead. Just meditate on that. Galatians 5, 18. Last verse. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. What's the Spirit here? It's now you're under grace and you've been set free by the death of Jesus. That's the Spirit. You consider yourself, it's a spiritual reality that we have to align with that will produce freedom in your life. Thanks for listening to the Braveheart Podcast. For more information on Braveheart Ministries, visit BraveheartMinistries.org.